Hello again, everyone. Welcome to another episode of In the Ring with Acacia Pomon. I'm your host, Acacia. As uh, you may hear, I've got a little bit of a raspy voice. We are about two weeks into Saratoga now, and only took me a few days to lose my voice. So thus the delay with bringing out this next episode. Um, been really relying on the cough drops to get through the day at Saratoga. Had about 800 COVID tests because, of course, we get a little bit more paranoid now. And thankfully, it's not that. I have survived once again. But um, I think it just took uh, me not that long to run myself ragged up here at the spa. I know a lot of you can attest to what I'm talking about. But anyway, the racing has been spectacular. So grateful to all of the fans, the betters, the horsemen for making it such a wonderful summer so far up at the spa. If you're planning a visit, hope you get a chance to come over and say hello. We'll be running back and forth between the paddock and the winner's circle and most likely um, stalking, also known as uh, interviewing people. But looking forward to today's episode, recapping some of the graded stakes action that we've seen so far. Got a lot on the docket coming up too as far as future episodes and just getting a chance to kind of schedule the people as we all know, um, during the summer, whether it's Del Mar, Saratoga, wherever you are, the schedule is pretty busy. So I hope you enjoy today's episode of In the Ring. Really happy to welcome in Bloodstock agent Phil Hager. Get a chance to pick his brain a little bit today. Phil, thanks a lot for joining me. How's your How's your Saratoga going so far? Thanks for having me, Acacia. Uh, it's good. I, I was actually up this weekend. Uh, we had a three runners up there uh, obviously big invasion was the exciting you know win of the weekend but um it was good it came back sunday i'll probably be in kentucky for a couple weeks and then and then come back up for the sales um you know in august so but it was fun it was good to be up there for opening weekend and see everybody as you mentioned, big invasion. We saw him uh, victorious on Sunday in the grade three quick call to start off the meet with a graded stakes winner that um, you signed the ticket for uh, back in the day of purchasing him uh, as a yearling at Keeneland. How exciting is that? How does that feel? And being able to really kind of kickstart the meet with such a big victory. Yeah, it's exciting. Um, you know, when you buy horses at the sales, you, you always hope they'll turn into a horse like him, but you know, sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. And uh, <laughs> he sure has been a lot of fun, you know, being, being on the win streak and really fun connections. And, um, you know, I've been, I've been able to go to a couple of his races. So that's been, been fun to be there and, and witness like how he's progressed. And mm -hmm. I feel like he just keeps kind of getting better. He's, you know, the Kwanzaa done a great job with him. So Anyways. Five wins in a row, getting that graded stakes win this weekend. Um, going back to when he was a yearling, um, what was it about him that really kind of stood out to you and uh, and, and for a, a relatively modest price as well? Sure. So, I mean, I've known Christoph and, and Miguel for a long time. My mom manages the office at Castleton Lions. So, mm -hmm. you know, back when Giapani was running and everything, I've, I've spent time with them and I kind of had shortlisted a couple sales for them over the years and we had had some recent success with momos uh at saratoga that year so they kind of told me you know going into the yearling sale season if you if i saw any declaration of wars that i liked uh to let them know because they had a lot of success with the sire um and so i found him in book five and just liked him physically he was um 
not an overall like big horse, but he's very strong and uh, very efficient, you know, in his walk, very correct. Um, and, you know, it was, he was out of a young Curlin mare that had run a little, she, I think she wanted maybe 80 or 90,000 and had one, one to race that had already won about the same amount of money. So uh, kind of a young pedigree, but, you know, nice enough horse and um, they gave me a budget. He passed the vet and, you know, we were able to buy him. So um, yeah, the rest is history. <laughs> you mentioned book five at Keeneland and as anyone who's ever been to the Keeneland yearling sales knows, it can be a real grind too. You know, how do you kind of mm -hmm. keep digging and, and keep looking for horses and potentially trying to find value in such a big sale like that? Sure. Uh, yeah. And, and actually that's probably where I do the most amount of work is kind of towards the later books. Uh, uh, and I think, you know, for the smaller sales like July, Saratoga, I, I look at every single horse, but for September, we kind of have to have a team. And so I team up with another bloodstock agent or two. Uh, and then I also like hire a shortlister that helps us mm -hmm. uh, kind of get through some numbers and just kind of weed out horses we don't need to go see. And so that helps a lot because, you know, looking at 4,500, 5,000 horses can yeah. be pretty daunting in two weeks. And uh, especially with having owners in town and, you know, coordinating vetting and going up to bid on horses and things like that. So um, we've got a process to it. We kind of look at everything once just based on physical and cut the list down. And then um, from there, I'd go back and look at everything again, kind of figure out uh, which horses not only do I like, but which horses might fit the orders that I have mm -hmm. at that sale. Um, and then have those conversations with the owners about what I have for them, you know, see which ones we want to vet. And then, you know, whichever one's past the vet, then we'll kind of try to buy based on how much we have to give. Um, and, you know, it's, it, it's a long sale. You get outbid on a lot of horses. So mm -hmm. things can get frustrating with yourself and your owners. And, but you just kind of got to keep at it. And um, good, good horses can come from anywhere, you know, whether they're in book one or book six. So um, it's, it's a fun sale to work. I, I enjoy it. How do you kind of juggle the orders and the requests that you have from certain owners with, if you, you find a horse, for instance, and they're just like, wow, this horse is, is really kind of one that checks all the boxes. Maybe you have some, like you mentioned, um, a, a trainer that maybe has an affinity for a certain stallion or something like that. How do you kind of juggle what you think people want or what they're asking for versus what stands out to you at that particular sale? Sure. So I think, um, the number one thing is having uh, a strong relationship with the client. So I ask a lot of questions, you know, if someone were to call me first time going into a sale, I'd ask them a lot of questions. So, you know, kind of, are they looking for fillies or colds? Are they looking for dirt or turf? What trainer they might use or circuits they run on? Um, do they want this filly to be a broodmare down the line? Do they want it to be a stallion? If it, if it, we get lucky and he's, you know, a good enough racehorse um, and, you know, their budget, things like that. So therefore I kind of know what comfort level uh, certain horses might fit for an owner. Mm -hmm. And that helps a lot because, you know, I might have, you know, 40 horses in a day that I like. Um, 
but then I can say, okay, well, these five are going to work for, you know, Christoph or these five are going to work for the Mots or, you know, whoever. Mm -hmm. um, and I think with working with trainers too, you start to pick up on some things they like and some things they don't like, you know, there's certain confirmational things I can't buy for certain trainers because they would not like it when they got that horse shipped into the barn <laughs> or, um, you know, so it's, it's a learning process. You have to kind of build that relationship with the client and then it becomes easier over time to know which horses might fit them the best. Um, and, you know, another thing that I say a lot of times is I could rank my top 10 horses, you know, in the sale. Mm -hmm. And I don't always know that number one is going to be number 10, you know? So, mm -hmm. um, if the horse is on the short list, it's gone through a process. We like the horse. Um, that horse, whether it costs 500,000 or it costs 5,000 could end up being the best one of that group, you know? So. Every agent kind of attacks sales in, in different ways and has kind of their process and their comfort process and things like that. And um, I, I liked what you said about how you really look at them from a physical standpoint, how do you bring pedigree into play with that as well, um, particularly when you're looking at yearlings, because the physical and the pedigree, like that's just what you have to go off of at that stage. Sure. I think um, for me, it's it, it, first of all, but the budget plays a big factor because, mm -hmm. um, you know, if it's a big budget, you can probably afford a lot more pedigree. Um, if you're if you don't have a much of a budget to buy a horse, you have to find angles to cut that budget down, you know? So, um, you know, a really good example of that is like, uh, we bought a horse named Red Danger for um, mm -hmm. Silverton Hill as a weanling. He was, I think 17,000 as a weanling. And we, his pedigree was sneaky cause like he, he was by orb. So nobody really wanted an orb, but it was, it was kind of a Phipps family, really good family. Um, and, I happened to know in the second day, there was a horse named Explorer that uh, was a million seven, two-year-old. Uh, I had actually kind of shortlisted that horse, like for the people that bought him as a yearling to pinhook him. And the horse was very, very talented. He, I think he was like rising star, ran some really good numbers, but just unfortunately he was a little bit unsound, mm -hmm. um, but he did have talent. So this colt was basically a three-quarter brother to that horse because he was out of a sister to the horse mm -hmm. and he and he was by the same sire so um you know it was kind of an interesting pedigree and the horse was really nice physically and nobody was going to buy an orb to pin hook you know as a weanling so that kind of took out all the pin hookers and um you know you're able to buy the horse for a lot cheaper so uh, i do look for things like that in the pedigree like uh, i like to research first couple dams just to see you know what what's going on some mares you know and, and actually big invasions family was the same way um it it looks it appears to be a little light and that's probably why he was in book five yeah. but if you actually research the pedigree there was some pretty you know a lot of those horses had run pretty good numbers um and so there was a chance that that horse could become a racehorse because the, the family had been producing productive runners. So um, I think research is key with all mm -hmm. of that. 
Now, your family has been in the industry for a long time. You were, um, you, you have a lot of uh, background in the sport and in the game. I mean, tell me a little bit about growing up in this world, and and was it always wanting to work on this side of uh, the side of things in the sales for you? Yeah, I think so. I I did grow up on a small breeding farm uh, called Idlower Farm. We were out in Paris, Kentucky, and. Uh, so I grew up around mares and foals. Um, my mom, when I was younger, worked for Overbrook um, back when you know Stormcat was there and everything. And um, and then she's been at Castleton Lions since kind of the early two thousands. So managing the office there. Um, and you know, I always loved horses. We, my sisters and I, like bred some horses. We bred a stakes horse like when we were young, and that was exciting. So it mm -hmm. kind of, you know drew us in and we were always interested in it um you know i, I went to school for business I, like at uk i got a, um, a business management degree so kind of just wanted to you know learn something other than the horses a little bit but <laughs> i always i kind of got drawn back you know I, I worked like on my off time i worked for farms and and in the summer you know i did work at gainsway and worked at uh I did an internship at Phasey Tipton and um but during school I would ride with like Dr. Cahill who did uh, acupuncture treatments and things on racehorses so you know I'd always kind of stay pretty connected and um and show horses for my dad at the sales and you know things like that so um and then I guess you know middle of college I kind of um really got interested in when I got out of college, I uh, got a job with David and Gordo. So I worked mm -hmm. for him for about a year, which kind of really, you know, piqued my interest in the blood science side of things. And um, when he, I think maybe a year after I started working for him, he got hired at Lane's End. So uh, he got me a job at Crestwood. So I, that's when I worked for them for about eight years. And um that was a really good experience because they, um, you know, they're not someone that made a lot of money and then came into business. They kind of, mm -hmm. they built it from, you know, 20 acres and built it up from there to a thousand acres and stallions and everything. So they, they're very practical. So uh, I had a good experience working with them. I did stallions kind of started doing some bloodstock there um, and then sales recruiting. And, um, and then after that, I, I uh, worked for Bill Mott on the track up there in Saratoga. Mm -hmm. um, and that was a great, you know, we had Royal Delta and Ron the Greek and flat out and a ton of good horses. So it was really fun being around yeah. those horses and getting the racetrack experience up there. So, um, and then, yeah, 2018, I started, you know, Taproot Bloodstock and and uh, so it's been four years, I guess. <laughs> so and had some success indeed. And wanted to ask you too about um, becoming part of the the sales acquisition team for my racehorse too. Um, really, kind of a group that's exploded onto the scene and racing and caught on really, really quickly and grown a lot in the last couple of years. What's that that experience been like for you? Yeah, that's it's been a fun experience because I I think it's a great idea. And, um, and, you know, I, I interviewed for that, I guess, maybe a year or so ago, um, they were looking for someone to kind of 
help because they were expanding, you know, and mm -hmm. they, they needed a few people to help. And so it's, it's an interesting way that it's set up because we have like, uh, we have like, we would be called almost like scouts, you know, mm -hmm. so myself and Jeff Bloom and uh, Nick Hines, you know, we'd be finding horses at the sales and then Roderick Watchman would be kind of like the GM that makes the final call or, you know, partners people together and things like that. So um, it's a team effort. Um, it's, you know, very interesting their process because they are very much uh, into the marketing aspect and the, and the getting owners out to the races and getting people educated. It's, it's pretty neat. Like, the app that they have, you know, there's constant updates going out on the horses and, and, you know, something goes wrong with the horse and they do a good job of explaining everything and educating people as to what the next steps are, what this means. So I think, I think it's a really great thing for the business because it allows people to come in for not much investment and learn and whether they end up going on to be owners in bigger syndicates or they go on to be you know, their own owners, um, they might just become better fans of the business, you know, and, and go to the racetrack and, and bet or, you yeah. know, so I think it's a really great thing because it, uh, it reaches a lot of people and it educates them into good ways in the good things that happen in this business. So you mentioned the Saratoga sales coming up oh, with basic tips in the summer, of course, you know, a huge, mark on the calendar for everybody that's up here both the select sale and the new york bread sale and having success leading into that i'm sure is is a good momentum for you and what's this season like for you as far as being able to kind of bring new clients in and prepare for those big sales that are so important for so many people in the industry yeah no it's um you're always as as good as your last horse right mm -hmm. so i think like coming in to the sales after winning some races is always a better feeling than not, you know? <laughs> so, um, but I've been really fortunate. I've had, you know, some clients that went with me when I left Crestwood and, you know, I got some clients after that. I've, I don't, I never really wanted to be very, very big. So I've, I've kind of, I want to have a, a handful of clients that I really enjoy working for. And, mm -hmm. um, I've been lucky with that. So I think, um, you know, in some clients they buy every year, some clients it's an every other year. It, it just kind of depends on their plans. But, um, but I try to kind of uh, target a lot of different sales because we buy the buy horses to race that are weanlings. We buy them as yearlings, two-year-olds, and then I do breeding stock as well. So it kind of keeps you busy throughout the year. And, um, Saratoga is definitely a fun one. It, it can be tough to buy up there, but it's, yeah. it's fun to see those horses and the pedigrees and, and uh, you know, have notes on those horses because you can track them later. Mm -hmm. um, so anyways. And of course, as you said, you, you know, you're only as, as good as your last horse. It's your last big win. And, and that's something that's true in this game for, for everybody, really. But what are some of the goals and some of the things that you really want to accomplish with Taproot Bloodstock and with everything that you're doing with all of these different sales and as an agent? Sure. No, I think, um, I mean, I'd love to, to win, you know, obviously the, the, key races would be like you know getting in the derby getting you know 
Breeders' Cup. We've had a few horses ride in the Breeders' Cup, but no, no wins yet. Um, so those are definitely, you know, kind of immediate goals. But to be honest, I just, I just want, I really want to have like a, like I said, a, a group of clients that support me that are happy with the job I do and, and hopefully have some success for them. And, and uh, that's to me, the biggest enjoyment is um, seeing clients happy, you know, so it's, it, you're providing, in a, in a way you're kind of providing an experience for them. And yeah. um, obviously if they're winning, you know, it's a happy experience. So, <laughs> um, so anyways. And it's a humbling game too. I mean, what are some of the, the biggest lessons that you've learned along the way, whether it's with clients or just lessons at the sales, whatever it could be, you know, are there things that really kind of stick out for you that you didn't know you needed to know about that part of the business? For sure. Yeah. You learn, I mean, I'd be lying if I didn't say I'm still learning and mm -hmm. hopefully I'm saying the same thing when I'm 50, 60, 70 years old. I mean, there's mm -hmm. always something to learn. So, um, you know, I, I've got a, yeah, quite a few good lessons I've learned from like people over the years, but, um, you know, one thing, there's an example, there's a pin hooker that is a very successful wingling to yearling pin hooker. And I remember when I was younger, I asked uh, if I could just invest in his group, you know, and he wouldn't let me. And I remember being kind of mad about that. And he said, well, look, like if you don't, if you don't go out and you buy these horses on your own, you're not going to make the mistakes. You're not going to learn from those. You know, yeah. if you just put them in with me, you're never going to learn anything. And that it really was like probably some of the best advice because mm -hmm. then I go out and I buy the hooks and some worked and some didn't. You go back and you look at why that didn't work and and, and you, you kind of learn, you know, as you go. And, um, you know, another thing that uh, someone taught me one time is it, it's almost like every horse you look at or every horse that you're around is like a penny that you put in a piggy bank, you know? So, um, you know, going to all these sales, having notes on all these horses, um, you know, going to the races, seeing what the good horses look like in the paddock or in the morning. Um, it's all something that you can remember so that the next time you're at a sale, you know more about a pedigree um, because you know more about all the horses in it. Um, I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, I like that. But yeah. And I think, you know, another thing that I thought was really good was uh, when I first started my own business, someone told me, you know, you really have to make sure every horse and every client counts because um, I do think some people can get a little too focused on only the big money people or the big money horses, you know, and you really don't always know where the good horses will come from. So it, you know, a lot of these ones that we're buying for cheaper, just as important as, as any of the ones you buy for expensive, you know, and, and it can be a lot of fun to beat expensive horses with cheaper <laughs> horses too so that's a that's a fun thing so more um, gratifying right for sure so um yeah i guess those are some good uh good advice and then i think yeah. you know you building off the mistakes thing you kind of um i do like a lot of research and i also do you know i like to see with the results i like to go back and look at 
you know, what I had on certain horses at a sale. It's so nice. Like with the iPad now, I can just go back mm-hmm. and flip through and see, you know, what I thought, what I graded the horse, uh, what they look like, if there's pictures or, you know, things like that. Um, and, you know, I think you learn over the years, like what, what we're really giving you as like a bloodstock agent is hopefully giving you a better chance at, you know, on average of buying better horses. So, and, and I use this, I think like in a recent Toba talk or something, I, like if I could go to a sale and an owner that has nobody, no experience could go to a sale, we could each buy one horse and the owner might buy a better horse than I would buy. But, and that's kind of the beauty of the game, right? You can get lucky like that. But if we go and buy 10 horses each or a hundred horses each on average, you know, because I've done a lot of research and I know who I'm buying off of and no pedigrees and things like that, you're helping your chances. So um, I think just continuing to, evolve and keep learning about ways that you can help your chances is going to benefit your clients, you know, and that's, that's something for sure I've learned as well. But I love that. It's such a great way to look at it too. Well, Phil, wish you uh, continued success and, and a lot of luck over the summer and the upcoming sales and really, really appreciate you taking the time this morning. Sure. Thanks for having me. And uh, I guess we'll see you up there in a couple weeks. Look forward to it. And that'll do it for another episode of In the Ring with Acacia Kamal. Please appreciate you listening as always and appreciate Phil Hager taking the time to give us a little insight and uh, pick his brain a little bit, which was a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to some of the big graded stakes action coming up. We're ready to dive into week three at Saratoga. Jim Dandy coming up this week with a lot more um, graded stakes action. So again, if you're coming up to the spa, hope you have a chance to come over and say hello. Um, Hopefully I will continue to progress and get my voice back and be ready for that show this weekend Uh, and again looking forward to uh, talking to some more people throughout the summer Uh, as always please feel free to share this episode if you have any recommendations people you think maybe interesting on the show. Uh, I've gotten some recommendations, which I really appreciate and working on incorporating those. So please feel free to reach out to me and let me know what you uh, would like to hear as far as sales, pedigree, breeding, all of that does go. Thanks as always for listening and I'll see you next time on In the Ring.